Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Investors need to keep their finger on the pulse of change. Are we on the verge of a wage increase spiral? How is private capital changing the landscape for small firms? Can investors avoid greenwashing in their ESG exposure? Welcome to Season 2 of The Outthinking Investor, an award-winning podcast from PGM. Subscribe to PGM's The Outthinking Investor today for these insights and more. This podcast is intended solely for professional investor use. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This is the match reaction for Everton to Tottenham Hotspur to at Goodison Park. It's a point for the Blues. It should have really been free, shouldn't it? Uh, Everton throwing that game away, quite frankly, tonight. Uh, joining me to have a chat about it uh, from just over the Mersey is Mark Mosey. And just on the other side of the world, in a completely different time zone, is Ryan Reynolds. Oh, lads, I mean, I'll come to you first, Ryan. Where does that rank on the frustrationometer from, from the past few weeks. It's, it's right up there for me because that is a game Everton really should have won. Yeah, that's a 15 out of 10 for me on the frustration um, <laughs> levels. It's um, one of those games where you just think, you know, we I thought we played well, quite well in, in patches at least and, and probably created the better chances throughout the course of the 90 minutes. And, you know, on the balance of play, I thought we deserved the three points. And it's just unbelievably frustrating when uh, you throw the ball into the back of your own net two times and, you know, you come away with a point. And, you know, we should really be talking about beating Spurs three times in one season. And, um, yeah, draw just seems a, a little bit bittersweet. Uh, Mose, how do you feel after that? Because t- to me, it's I've just put on Twitter there. It's probably the the second consecutive home game where we played a team that I sort of felt weren't really arsed and weren't really on it tonight. Palace, for, for one reason, obviously because of the mid-table. Spurs look very much like they've checked out because of the manager and didn't really do a lot tonight, sort of going through the motions at times. And the only times it really felt as though they were in the game is when Everton went into to dickhead mode defensively. Yeah, I mean, you correctly penned this early in the week and when we did, when we did kick about in the... Harry Kane was always going to be some form of difference in this game. Uh, we, we thought it would be a lot more dramatically worse for Everton than it actually turned out to be. But 
when you've when you've got someone like that, you just can't afford to do the the types of things that, that Everton did at the back tonight. Um, I, I know that we'll we'll go on to talk long and hard about how Everton consistently press the self-destruct button when they're in in the driving in the driving seat. But tonight was yeah, it was, it was hard to take. I think the the positives I can draw from it is that as much as points at everything at this stage of the season, after some of the performances we've seen in the last four to six weeks. I was so ready just to see Everton play well, but even even if it was for patches, as Ryan said, I, I, ju- I just needed something to convince me that, yeah, th- this season might be a little bit beyond us in terms of anything relevant and in, in European qualification or whatever lofty heights we think we can get to. But I think I just needed something at this stage to buy into to make me think that we're not just going to the motions and at times tonight I was quite invigorated watching Everton um, I, I don't I don't often get to that stage at the moment because this is the time of season where we just don't really seem to be at the races but it, it it's hard it's hard not to solely focus on on Michael Keane uh, I, I know that it's incredibly brutal to, to focus on an individual and in, in in the space of what is, of course, a very intense match and, and fine margins will will obviously dictate it but Without two unbelievably poor pieces of defending, Everton probably win that game quite comfortably for all the reasons that you've just said. Um, I, I think it's it's so frustrating that we've we've played well, and I'd rather of us had a had a really dismal performance and, and scrapped a draw because it's obviously a little bit worse when it happens like this. But if, if we're going to focus on the positives, I think the the players that we'll mention are probably the link up between uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson, of course, and, and James Rodriguez, who who in, in games like that where you just need someone to demand the ball at every occasion, pro- probably a little bit too much at times, but I thought he was mercurial tonight and, and as close to up there with the, the individual effort and performances that we've seen in recent years. Yeah, um, so much frustration. Um, we're live on YouTube tonight, so if you've got any thoughts, any feelings about that, um, give us a shout. We've already had a comment uh, there suggesting that um, if Moyes Keane and Michael Keane played up front together for us, it could be a lethal partnership given the amount of assists Michael Keane obviously gave the Tottenham players tonight. But um, I think it's, you know, just sort of starting off, Ryan, I think it's it's probably wise to talk about what this does for us in regards to the rest of the season. I think the captain himself said on Monday after the Brighton game that today was must-win. And I think while it doesn't doesn't put a a nail in our European hopes yet because we're still... You know, point behind Tottenham with that that faithful game in hand still to play at this point in the uh, in the campaign. I, th- I think for me, with, with Arsenal coming up next, who are four points behind us, um, you know, with Villa still to play twice, with West Ham to play, with City away on the last day. You know, regardless of whether they've been on, out on the AL celebrating all their trophies or not, um, it, it does sort of feel like after no wins in five, it's, it's only natural to start looking over your shoulder now, isn't it? Instead of up the table. It's funny you say that because, you know, earlier in the season, I was sitting on the couch watching games, looking up the table and you're saying, oh, how many three points here and where does that move us and where we can go? And, you know, just before I logged on to this chat, I was actually looking at my phone to see where we were in the table and where the teams were below us and, and who's coming to <laughs> coming to dethrone us from eighth. Um, it's just been one of those seasons. And it's, it's what you expect when you go on a, a zero and five run, really, isn't it? You start looking back over your shoulder and, you know, we enter a, a really crucial part of the season, but I guess, you know, the optimist in me says, you know, this season, nothing's been usual and 
maybe that's what we have to look forward to now that, you know, these results are going to continue to be sprung up and, you know, potentially we can climb back up. But, you know, if things go back to type at the moment, it seems very hard for us to, to really navigate much further up the table, I would have thought. And, yeah, it's a really disappointing from where we were. And I know, you know, when you're sort of floating around that top four, your expectations change a little bit, don't they? And, you know, you start to live the dream a bit more and you start dreaming of that Champions League or Europa League or Farmers League, whatever European <laughs> competition you want to be playing in. But, you know, as it sits right now, it's hard not to be a little bit deflated about how this is sort of starting to fizzle out. Yeah, I think... Mo- Sorry, Mo's glad. I just get something that Ryan said. I'm so ready not to do podcasts with the Premier League table in front of me. <laughs> because with every minute point that we pick apart or with every general where are we in the season point, everything leads you back to looking at, is that possible? Can we catch them? Are they going to drop points? And it, As Ryan said, it is one of those seasons where unpredictability is key. Key. Um, it, this is probably going to go down to, I would say, the last two league games, um, because quite frankly, as, as much as we we live in this Everton bubble, which we are totally incapable of progressing and pushing on, it it, it feels for my money that we've been pretty dreadful for quite a while now. Uh, and, and at times tonight, we saw something a little bit different and a little bit more positive. Um, but you, you can't help but look down and, and look at that league table and think, well, do you know, Two wins still does it. Two wins still puts you back in the mix. And it is it is the hope that kills you, undoubtedly. Um, so I think for, be, because of how flippant and how flimsy results are in the league at the moment, I think that's why I was ready to just kind of take a step back from that tonight and not solely focus as, as much as we all wanted to win and the three points. And I'm not going to say we didn't want that, but it, it was equally important for me that we, we had something to make me think that in the next seven games, we're capable of getting four wins. Um, and, and I think if we were able to do that, then we, we'd still be serious challenges for, for European places. And as much as I think most of us have waved goodbye to, to Champions League football, you, you could arguably say that that was relatively unrealistic in terms of a target this season anyway. But certainly signs of progress tonight, I thought. Uh, yeah, we've had, a, we've had a few comments, first and foremost, Ryan, and most of them are about your dressing gown. Uh, a lot of there's, there's, there's a lot of love for the dressing gown, and uh, people asking is is your dressing gown the new uh, Dave Downey hat? <laughs> maybe maybe you could call it like the, the draw dressing gown or something like that. Every time we draw, you, you rock up in your dressing gown. I'm all about the draw dressing gown. It's just so comfy and fluffy. It's it's like a warm hug that I need after watching that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mate. Go on. I know you're going to make a point there, but. Yeah, Moses is talking about the flimsy results and, you know, looking above on the table. And I don't think we can rule out Spurs imploding. Um, obviously, they've got the League Cup final. And, you know, once that's over and, you know, Jose's time seemingly, it seems like it's going to be running out quite soon. I mean, they could just fall off the edge of a cliff too. And, you know, that can present an opportunity. So, you know, you just can't write it off at the moment. I still think there's, there's options for us to get up there. Yeah. Um, I think that one of the most frustrating things for me about... All of this moves is that I hate it when we score like a really good goal to go in front, and we ultimately don't end up winning the game because that goal sort of sort of gets forgotten, doesn't it? And I think you know the the goal we score, second goal today. I know Spurs switch off a little bit, but you know it's football that we've not see, not seen from Everton for for a long long time. You know it's bang into Richarlison's feet, out to Coleman. He puts a great cross in first time, and it's you know it's it's really incisive and direct and you know intelligent play that we've not seen for a long, long time. And 
No, I think that that is that is what we've got to take from this ultimately, isn't it? And yeah, listen, I know I know we were playing against a team tonight who, look like, they, like I said, they've checked out under this manager and they've been they've been very poor for a long, long time. But I think there were portions of that game tonight where Sigurdsson and Rodriguez got on the ball, uh, playing little triangles together on the edge of the box, you know, opening space up for us, you know. That is perhaps something we can look to, to tap into going forward. But but in the same breath, it's been a season where we've seen little link-ups between players in a game here and there. And then it's just disappeared, you know, straight away in the next match. But it feels like those two, given the, the respective football intelligence they've got and where they play on the pitch, obviously in a very similar area, we should be seeing a lot more of that sort of play from them too. The, the first thing I'd say about the build-up for the second goal is that it, it was very telling in my mind that when Seamus Coleman was getting ready to come on, I, I hoped that it was for Alex Awobi and I thought Seamus Coleman's going to give us far more going forward here. Um, and I think that in terms of someone who we've paid a lot of money for to be an attack and threat out wide, I think Alex Awobi, it, it's incredibly telling that we're relying on a senior right-back in Seamus Coleman to come on and be more dangerous going forward. Um, so I, I think that was, that was the one disappointing element of that substitution. But, but obviously... It, it, it totally paid dividends within what was it two minutes? Um, Coleman so showing that was like thirty seconds, wasn't it? I think yeah. I think if if you think of the most dangerous former Seamus Coleman, it was always even in his early days getting to the byline. Um, and as much as we don't want to see him kind of manoeuvred into new positions, and and you the, the debate will run long and hard about whether using him in that sort of deep right midfield role is is one that suits him or not, but. It, it does allow him to get into those positions. And I think the the one major criticism that most Evertonians would have of, of Coleman when he gets into attacking positions is that final ball delivery. And I think the, the, the recognition that he had tonight that he was probably a little bit ahead of play. Um, people like Sigurdsson were not quite up to sort of the, the, the penalty spot. Richarlison was obviously involved in the move. So he wasn't going to be up there. And I think the intelligence to kind of cut that back a little bit was was not to be underrated. I think that was a that was a really intelligent piece of attack and play. The the finish from Sigurdsson is unbelievable. Um I I've got so many criticisms of Guilty Sigurdsson and, and evening games tonight where you can definitely see a purpose for him. I think his his lack of mobility is unbelievable. Um the the point where Richarlison tries to play him through so he's one on one and the ball not quite being directly onto his fourth toe on his left foot, so he can't just naturally run onto it. I thought it was was pretty embarrassing, but I think what we've seen um, it, so many goals this season. I think the um, the Leeds one in particular comes to mind uh, late on at Sheffield United. If you if you put him in the right areas, he is capable of of doing those things. And um, the assist against Southampton at home. Obviously tonight as well. Uh, I think it, it was ironic that it came in a, a home game against Tottenham that goal because it reminded me so much of Nikita Jelovic's first goal for Everton, where he kind of just lets that ball run across him, kind of a half volley into the far corner, and it, it just stunk of that goal to me. But the, the ability to control that ball and use the pace on the cross that, that Coleman had given him was was exceptional. Um, but yeah, you, you rightly referenced the, the relationship between Hamez and, and Sigurdsson. Um, playing on the edge of, of the of the box and sort of that that interlink sort of between twenty and forty yards out from their goal, 
it's really effective that they're, they're both so accurate in terms of their passing most of the time. But the dynamism and that movement off the ball does does worry me. It, it all feels a little bit static. When you've got teams like Tottenham, who I'm not going to say they've they've that they're on the beach here because they're clearly putting a shift in. But there is a there was a sense for me tonight that Tottenham were happy for us to to be on the ball in those areas and and there was an extra half second to pick a pass where I think ordinarily there wouldn't have been. That that, that suits Gilfie Sigerson and Hamas Rodriguez down to the ground. But I think when you've got... I, I, you know, I honestly thought that in particular they'd struggle against someone like Ndombele tonight who is, is so strong, uh, so mobile. And he, he strikes me as the type of midfielder who Gilfie Sigerson would get absolutely no change out of. So so credit for him for that. But yeah, I, I, still, I still longed for that the Lucas Mora and, and the Eric Lamella who came on late on and they haven't necessarily got the guile of, of someone like a Sigurdsson to, to consistently pick out the right pass but they can be so dangerous and, and so threatening uh, I, I got semi-bored of seeing Everton have so much possession in Tottenham <laughs> half at times and are not really being as dangerous as they should have been um, the last 15 minutes of the first half were, were totally contrary to that because I thought we played really well but certainly going forward we saw a lot more tonight than we have in recent weeks um, we'll, we'll talk about missed opportunities in terms of results but quite frankly if Everton put a 15 minutes together on Monday night like they did in the, the latter stages of the first half tonight then we're looking at this result in a, in a totally different light and all of these sort of must-win tags that we are putting on every following game that, that, that continues for Everton you, you can kind of relieve yourselves of a little bit of pressure if you go back to so many of these fixtures that we will undoubtedly talk about throughout the season the Newcastles the Crystal Palace mm. the Brighton if you dispatch those teams and you, you don't put yourselves in, into incredibly tough scenarios like we have done against Spurs tonight yeah and I suppose Ryan it's you know, it's quite, you know, negative to say after we've drawn two games, which we should have won at home. But at least this side is creating chances at Goodison Park now in these games because that, you know, some of the matches Murray's mentioned there, Fulham, Newcastle, Burnley. You know, it felt as though we probably had more chances in this game tonight alone than we did in that match. So that is that is, I suppose, something and a, and a small step forward, I suppose. Albeit, it should be all about results at this point in the campaign. Yeah, I thought Carlo actually set us up quite well today. You know. He gave us that opportunity to score, to score goals or have chances, and you know, maybe previously, especially in that Newcastle game, you know we probably weren't set up well enough to, to do that. And I thought his substitutions tonight were pretty much bang on as well. I mean, I think he's copped a bit of criticism on on social media for some of his changes, but I thought all of his, the changes that he made um, were really good. So, um, you know, Josh King coming on late, you know, to try and stretch the game was was yeah the right move and also you know Coleman coming on for a Wobi that was a, a massive change in terms of the way that we looked with the ball. Um you know Wobi I thought was really poor tonight and, and Coleman came on and, and really had that you know that dynamic mix and you know sometimes you know the frustration sometimes can be is that as you say you bring that 15 minutes that we, we played against some of those other teams and we probably you know win three or four of those five games you know it, and that's where the frustration comes is that we're not a team that's good enough to, to turn up for five minutes against Crystal Palace or a Brighton or a Newcastle or West Ham, or, you know, you can get run out of breath trying to name them all that we haven't done it against and get three points. But, you know, we're in, we're in transition, I guess. So I'm trying to be positive and it's, it's, it's really hard to be positive. At the yeah. And, and sort of carrying on that theme, and I'll, I'll come straight back to you on, on this one, Ryan. Um, 
obviously Sigurds has scored the two goals tonight and we, we you know paid tribute to him for his, his finish there and you know how well he did taking that that second one. Great penalty as well to be fair, stuck it away really nicely. Um but I think Rodriguez was was a hundred percent the player that stood out for, for me tonight. And you now we we've we've seen some of the things he does on the ball, we've sort of gradually getting used to now as, as Evertonians in regards to the passes he can play, the spaces he finds, the way he sort of, you know, shimmies past challenges and all that sort of stuff. But I think what's really struck me and in, in the last two games in particular was just the the conditioning of the lad and how he just he just looks in such better shape now. And I think, you know, while we're not getting the results to, to show it, obviously he's, he's playing very well at the moment and it just sort of feels as though that we're benefiting from giving him that time to fully rest and recuperate and get back to, to full fitness as opposed to bringing him in when he's, you know, still hobbling around and, and, and not quite on it. Because, you know, tonight it was in the, the 80th, 90th minute where he was still getting the ball in midfield and, you know, winning it back for us, driving us forward. And I think if you can mix that that energy and that intensity and that sort of will to win with the quality that, that he's got, he is a serious, serious footballer, isn't he? Yeah, and I think it's probably matches like this that hammer home the fact that how, you know, he was really struggling and, and how unfit he was sort of going back a few weeks ago because, you know, we I don't think we would have seen that sort of performance from him three, four, five, six weeks ago. You know, any time before Anfield and then after Anfield when he missed it, it it's this chalk and cheese in terms of what he's being able to produce. And as you say, like, I mean, even defensively, he was, he was back winning balls. There was a couple of times he was, he was very, very deep, you know, laying in a tackle and whatnot and, you know, I, my mind sort of try, tries to go back to before he sort of had that stint out of the team and you just didn't see him really move past halfway, really. Occasionally, he'd get a little bit deeper, but he was sort of shuffling around and whatnot. And um, I guess it's a credit to him for playing through what he had to before. But I think, you know, you sort of reap the rewards now of, of giving him that stint out of the team because he's he was unbelievable tonight. Um, an absolute joy to watch. And, you know, hopefully we get to see more of it. Yeah, should have walked off the pitch with at least two or three assists, shouldn't they? There really moves. You know, the one for Ben Godfrey in yeah. the first half should be headed in. And, and the Josh King one in the second half, you know, he's, he's, he's put that on a plate, hasn't he? If you're, if you're a centre forward that, that plays on the shoulder, that is exactly the pass you want. And unfortunately, King's just hit it straight at Lloris. Yeah, I think for for players who kind of sit in that pocket of, of that number 10 role, I'm just watching a, a replay back of that Josh King chance. But... It, it's one thing for so many of those sort of attack and flare players who are given that that luxury position, which which we like to afford to James Rodriguez. What you're asking for most of the time from those players is vision, and and can you can can you see Luca Dean out wide? Can you see Josh King making that run or or a Charleston at Anfield? I think it's one thing being able to see it, but to to play the weight of pass that that James Rodriguez is capable of. How, how many times have you seen him knock a through ball too long or overhit that ball to Luca Dean out wide? It, it's just, it just doesn't happen. Even We had one late on tonight where he, he lofted one and for all the world watching on TV, it as though it had just gone far too far and into the Gladys Street. And it, his ability to put the ball on a sixpence is just unbelievable. Um, I think the, the ball for, for, for Josh King... In a very critical world, you're probably hoping that that doesn't fall to Josh King. I think the the chance that follows that from Richarlison is is obviously a very good one as well. Um, I think we we've still got some issues for for Hamas Rodriguez in terms of how we utilise him. Um, how many games we get out of the lad is clearly an issue, and and as you've both rightly said, it looks as though in terms of 
physical fitness. He, he is capable of playing consistently. He is capable of playing full 90 minutes. And it looks as though the extended spell that we've afforded to him to, to get himself into this shape will reap the benefits. But the, the issue that I would have, as much as I love to see him on the ball and coming deep for it and being very often one of Everton's deepest midfield players, that, that's not why he's here. Um, I, I get it. He needs to be involved in the game. He probably looks around at the other midfielders around him and thinks, well, I'm, I'm far more capable of creating moments for Everton and he's dead right in that. But there, there has to be a, a level of positional discipline at some point. There has to be an, an acceptance that I'm going to let Tom Davis go and get that ball. I'm, I'm going to let Gilfie Sigerson drop back and, and play the pass before the pass that I want to play into Richarlison. Do you know what I mean? It's this, this over-reliance that we had on him. We had a situation in the in the second half where James and Tom Davis just totally bumped into each other because yeah. it was in it was in a totally natural position for Tom Davis to go and pick the ball up. But James ends up coming over and tries to do a Cruyff turn to turn out and, and all of a sudden you've got Lucas Son and, and Harry Kane bearing down on goal. And I, I, I totally get it. And it's nice to see for, for so many points of view that that he wants to be so involved. And, and the question marks about James Rodriguez being at Everton at all are always going to be, why? I, I, I watch the lad and think, why? Why put yourself through this? But when he when he becomes so invested on the pitch in moments like he did tonight, of course, it's heartwarming and, and, and it, it gives you hope that we're going to eventually see this lad kick a ball in an Everton shirt in person. But I think that there has to be something behind them. And and I'm I'm probably focusing on this a little bit more so because Abdullah the is not there at the moment. And if you have got someone who's a little bit more mobile in the middle, then then maybe subconsciously that you don't get Hamas Rodriguez dropping that extra fifteen or twenty yards back. I thought, I thought Alan made a board. difference tonight for us to be yeah, fair. Yeah. 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 He he was absolutely a difference maker in there. And he when we are eventually able to put people like him and Decore and James all next to each other again, then this will all start to make a lot more sense than it has done in recent weeks. But as I say, I'm I'm, I'm very much nitpicking in what was a, an exceptional performance. Um, but I think seeing him centrally, I think we'd all agree, is is absolutely a must. Um, it, it's very easy to identify Everton's MO when he's out wide on that right-hand side. Um, I think it was a great point that was made in, in commentary, certainly over here, Ryan, in that the, the defensive frailty on that right-hand side is is totally eliminated when you when you move James off there. Um, and as much as it's easy for Carlo Ancelotti to say, well, that's not why we brought James Rodriguez in, it, it took Premier League teams six or seven games to realise that that was an area that Everton could be could be got at. So it's important that we've that we've kind of figured something out there and it's given us flexibility ultimately, hasn't it? Um, as much as I'd like to see some form of consistency, not only in terms of lineup, but in terms of shape, what, what you do get from this unpredictability on a week-by-week basis is that teams aren't going to really know what we're doing with our main weapon, which is Hammers. Um, so it's important that, that obviously we, we are able to utilise them in the right way, but I think more importantly right now that we are able just to consistently get him on that football pitch week in, week out, because... He looks like something that Everton, quite frankly, don't deserve at the moment. Yeah, it's just nice having him available for because I think you know for, for the for the full ninety minutes because I think when King came on, it was sort of generally assumed that it was going to be Rodriguez coming off because Angelotti sort of didn't want the change to happen before the corner. It was like right, right, Rodriguez has taken this corner, so he's obviously going to come off for ten minutes to go here. 
But having him actually on the pitch for, for 90 minutes, it's it's just another extra little boost. And I think that that really did show in those those final 10 minutes. Uh, just before we wrap up, lads, one other thing I've got to bring up is just an utter bugbear of mine. And it has been since since started watching Everton and, and Mark Mosey's face uh, there knows exactly what I'm going to be talking about. Oh, before Tottenham scored their first goal, Everton kicked the ball out very nicely when Sergio Aurea goes down. Within a couple of minutes, they're up the other end and scored. In the second half, of course, Hamas Rodriguez gets flattened by Eric Lamella. Nowhere near the ball. He's down. What the Tottenham do? Get on the ball. Play on have a great opportunity and nearly score. And do you know what? I'm not having to go with Spurs for that whatsoever. Yeah. But Ryan, what what on earth are they playing? And do you know what? We've just we just lauded Hamas Rodriguez for the way he played. He was the one who was telling Tom Davis <laughs> to kick it out. Yeah. That, that's exactly what I was going to say. He's the one with the killer instinct. He's the one that, you know, you talk about being the bloke who wants to drag us to Champions League and he's telling us to kick it out. I honestly swore at the TV when I saw that because from memory, it was in a really good position too where Tom Davies was before he put it out. And I'm with you. It's an absolute bugbear of mine. It's so frustrating. Um, I don't even know where to go with it, to be perfectly honest. It's, Sell it's Hamas. After and you that. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't and, care and, how good he is. Get him out the Hummers door. out. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, yeah. Okay, it, it, it's not the reason why Tottenham score the first goal. And it, it, it's not the reason why Everton don't win the game. But... Yeah, it, how many times in over the last two years when we've been through, you know, bringing Ancelotti in and going out and spending loads of money and, and building a, a relatively what we hope will be a successful side? How many times have we mentioned the word mentality and, ju- and just having that that brutal winning instinct? And I appreciate it's a, it's a very small incident that none of us will remember in four or five games' time, but th- this is the type of reason why Everton aren't winners. And, and you get a team like Tottenham who quite easily could have gone and punished us in the second half there. And, and you know what? Fair play to them because that's what professional football is about. It's about winning and taking advantage of any form. I mean, don't get me wrong. If, if someone is severely injured, football players know it. They, they know when someone's hurt. And Sergio Aurier was not in any way injured tonight. Um, as you, you rightly say, it's James Rodriguez who pulls that up and... I think Tom Davis, to his credit, was ready at one point to just shove Hamas aside and, and spray a ball out of the right-hand side. But it, it's just, it's perennial Everton, isn't it? We kick the ball out, we bring everyone back when we're defending a corner, and that's just what we do. We might have changed the motto under the badge. Every- terrible, of th- terrible of throw-ins, yeah. It would look great under the crest, yeah. Terrible throw-ins is another one. Um, yeah, it... it it may seem like when they're picking it, it's such a, a small and insignificant issue. But in my mind, it's just it's just the mindset of a, of a football team. I can I can think of so many teams that are around us in the Premier League at the moment that would have quite frankly stepped on Sergio Aurier's head if it meant getting past him to go and build an attack in that situation because that's what the Premier League is. We, so often we talk about quality in this league and how, albeit it might be lacking at certain times, but Every single team wants to win every tackle, complete every pass. It, it, it's so, it's so results based and and so critical that you win every minute battle. And so often Everton are ready to throw the towel in in those important moments. And and who who knows how the game materializes after that. And I, I'm I'm not necessarily saying that the Tottenham score on the back of James Rodriguez's assist, but it's um it's still disappointing to see in an era where you think that. Everything has changed, but 
Um, clearly, when you say that nothing will be the same, I think some things some things will persist eternally. Yeah, Everton have infected James Rodriguez with the Evertonism. <laughs> you know, kicking up. Oh, it just does me. I didn't. It's it's not even like in the rules to do it either. It's it's actually said you don't kick it out. So, oh yeah. Galling, galling. More annoying than the two goals we conceded tonight for me. That just can't be doing with it at all. But um, yeah, lads, we are where we are when it comes to that now. Uh, got to sit back and if the results go for us this weekend, of course. Um, but yeah, kicking the can down the road, it feels like with the season at the moment, doesn't it, with Arsenal to come. We didn't have a Friday night game, so we've got that to look forward to. Another early start for you, Ryan, um, for that one. The five AM starts are fantastic, mate. It's um, <laughs> at least my at least my my Saturdays are ruined very early. I can um, <laughs> yeah, I can just sit and mope around the house. At least you guys uh, can go have a couple of ales and, and drown your sorrows. I've got to go have a coffee and some eggs on toast or something to try and ease <laughs> this pain. <laughs> Mark, would you be getting up at five AM to watch Everton? Mate, the fact that I get up at three PM to watch Everton. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. But yeah, good performance tonight. Some bad defensive errors. Uh, Hamez is brilliant, but still just about, I think, I'd say just about in that fight for European football, but they are clinging on by their fingernails at the moment, Everton, um, when they go to Arsenal next week. But thanks very much for listening. Thanks very much for watching on YouTube. Cheers to Mark and especially to Ryan for getting up uh, at this early hour in his glorious dressing gown to have a chat with us about the toffees. <laughs> Uh, hopefully well hopefully we don't see it again if it's the draw dressing gown hopefully it's just win 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 in the future but uh, well, you, don't, you don't want to see what I'm going to wear if we win mate I'll be nude oh god well do you know what Rob, <laughs> Rob Veer has already made a mad promise this year so don't be, don't, don't be doing that don't be doing that um, well I got his yeah. haircut so you know there we go there we go off the baldy blues love it absolutely love it but yeah uh, thanks very much for listening cheers to the lads uh, have a good weekend and we'll speak to you soon here on the Blue Room Each of us has a purpose. We are destined to do something meaningful, not only to support our loved ones, but to positively impact our communities throughout the country. What do you think a private Christian education looks like? Grand Canyon University graduates 25,000 students yearly and offers more than 225 high-quality programs across nine colleges. Find your purpose at GCU. Visit gcu.edu. Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.